podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference plus Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, and BYU. This is the 1012 Podcast, the flagship show of the 1012 Network, and partners with Sports Drink, your source of all for all things sports and not sports, a fantastic podcast network in their own right. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. We've got an incredible weekend to discuss, an absolutely wild and fantastic Saturday collection of college football games. Plenty of performances we didn't see coming. Sorry. Hold on, Jamie. Just sorry. I think TCU just scored another touchdown. Yes. Um, We have my two co-hosts that join me every week as they do here. Jamie, as I just mentioned, that is JSJ, Jamie Steyer Johnson herself, who is not in her highest of spirits today, I believe. Hey, I'm, I'm just looking at shoes. Uh, I went shopping for stuff to wear in Cancun this week, so I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. You, you're going to Cancun, like yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, but also like I will say that like the most on-brand thing that has ever occurred in the history of the world is that it is currently forecast to rain all six days. I'm there. Oh no. So oh, no. I'm, I might be becoming a professional eater because it's all inclusive. So if I'm stuck. In that all day i'm spending the entire time in one of the restaurants i i don't know why you would ever go on vacation and not just go to an all-inclusive so we did for a honeymoon we've done it twice i will never not just i want to go somewhere where i can park uh, with a book and you will feed me and provide me uh adult beverages uh and that's it that's all i gotta do i don't care sit me by the pool my wife does not like sand we will not sit on the beach she does not want to go near the sand that's fine with me I will take a bunch of books and drink uh, icebergs. That's what I drink while I am on vacation. Iceberg? Uh, it is a frozen margarita on top of Corona. Sounds like a headache. Oh, it's it's wonderful. I know. I, it's, I know. But it sits on top of the It's great. That sounds weird. I don't even drink and that sounds weird to me. <laughs> like. Don't knock it. You don't you don't get to have an I don't drink at all, but that sounds like it would be terrible. I'm gonna be honest. Andy Andy goes to the, the all inclusive and orders. I'll have the milk. Thank you. Okay. No 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 no, no, no. the chocolate milk. As, in the in <laughs> the like, words how dare of, you. Look, look, this, in the words of the wonderful movie Grown Ups, I want to get chocolate wasted. That's fair. Uh that chocolate wasted fellow is Andy Mitz, who is in much higher spirits, but more like the good spirits, not like the alcohol spirits. Andy. Got him. Oh, man. It's been a weird, weird beginning of the year. Um, and the fact that we're almost halfway through the season and it's still a weird beginning of the year tells you just how weird it is. I'm it's sorry. Great. Hold on. Uh, yeah, TCU just scored another touchdown. Okay. Uh, we have a lot to get to today. Will I continue that gag throughout the entire show? Tune in and find yes, out. Of course. Uh before we get going, I just want to do this off the top so I don't forget. Um, there are quite a few people who help us out quite a lot. Um, this last past week, uh, we started a, a schedule ranking. Uh, I spent uh, way too much time during office hours, <clears throat> real job office hours, um, trying to put that together. 
in the most complicated and unnecessarily difficult process possible because that's the only way how to do things is never the easy way um and it's just kind of brought to light how people who have always been incredibly gracious to us and very helpful with their time with their knowledge uh with their data that they build and put together uh our good friend parker fleming you all know him stats of war on twitter has been incredibly helpful with me trying to put some of this stuff together kelly ford at uh, k ford ratings on twitter Always very helpful. We'll tweet out anything and everything I ask him to do so. Uh, Nate Manzo, who does an amazing job putting all the different rankings and rating systems into one beautiful overall ranking. Uh, and shout out to uh, to John Wheeler. Um, you'll be hearing from him a little bit soon. He's going to be helping us moving forward with some of the stuff that we want to do, like our strength of schedule ratings each week and a few other things that we want to be able to start putting out on our own just to continue to try and make this a a, a slightly more stats-driven podcast. Don't get, don't get me wrong. We're still going to throw out a bunch of nonsense takes that we come up with off the top of our heads, but um, I'd like to have a little bit more backing those besides just our opinions on things. But again... Parker, Kelly, Nate, and John, thank you guys so much. You've been uh, awesome helping us out every time you can. Everybody, make sure you're following all of them on Twitter. You you will not regret doing so. All right. I was going to say, I think, I think my favorite part of all of that has been the wonderful periodic updates that I've gotten from Kelly about the uh, chances of Kansas going to a bowl game this year. So. Kelly does good stuff. I appreciate him. So, Kelly, will you just – yeah. Oh, and you got the third down data one that I got from. Uh, oh no, I gotta, I gotta remember who that is. Uh, just found him this past week when he was doing like third down I have data. It, I have it. I have it. I have it. Hold on. It was so good. I just want everybody to follow him. You will appreciate doing so. Oh no, uh, Jared Lee. I talked about yes, him at is. Jared D Lee. Um, was putting out some uh, third down data on Twitter. We shared. It. We asked him for Kansas, um, and it broke down like. Third and one, third and two, third and three, third and four, like third and whatever yardage. Like it, Kansas is the third best. I haven't checked since before Saturday's games, but Kansas before Saturday was like best, third best, third down team in the country. It's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Tons of fun. I know you guys are eager to talk about the Kansas and Iowa State game. Well, one of you is, one of you is not. But it's not where we're going to start the show today, because I have said this is the podcast that covers all ten teams of the Big Twelve Conference plus. Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, and BYU. And we have tried to cover the other four as best we can, but we haven't always done a good enough job of of making sure we make time to do so. So, well, you... <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've always been able always, to. Every time we can hear you every yelling time. at the dog to go. It doesn't mute. It, does, it never does. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't go out like when you send your audio in but now you have to because i need the people to just hear you like go go oh glorious just just glorious Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, I think it mutes you as far as a recording standpoint, but it does not mute you as far as we hear you. All right. Uh, let's start with BYU. I want to start there. I watched quite a bit of the BYU-Utah State game. Obviously, we made picks for it. Uh, let me be honest. Like BYU looked pretty good in the first two weeks of the season. 
they looked really good in their game against Baylor. It was a pretty ugly back and forth game, but they they looked solid. And I think a lot of people it was way too early in the season got a little bit hyped on could Baylor or BYU be the team that maybe goes undefeated or or gets to New Year's Six Bowl. Ever since they lost to Oregon and they got soundly beat by Oregon, let's all be honest here, it wasn't close. They have not looked the same. I know Utah State is something of a rivalry game, and it happened on a Thursday night. And Thursday night games get weird; they just do. Uh, but again, BYU has not looked the same. They have not looked good against Wyoming. They did not look good against Utah State. Utah State has been bad, and Utah State was in that game until late in the game. Now, granted, they put up a score at the end that didn't have any real effect on the overall outcome, affecting the total. Thanks, BYU, for defense for not holding Utah State to the amount of points I thought you would. But I'm going to be honest with you, I'm, we'll talk about games coming up this weekend. It's a good thing they played on Thursday. They've got a little bit of extra time. They've got Notre Dame in Vegas coming up this coming Saturday, and now Notre Dame hasn't been awesome this year. But it, we're going to have to talk about, we'll talk about Houston similarly coming up. I, at this point, I'm a little bit disappointed in BYU, and I, I don't... I don't know what it is. And they, they were healthier for this game. I know they've had some injuries. I know a couple of their stud wide receivers have been banged up. But the defense has been disappointing. I don't know what's going on at BYU. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts. Oh, I just realized I forgot to unmute myself over here. <laughs> I mean, the, the points about, uh, you know, it being a Thursday game and it being a rivalry game, I mean... I think I think all of those are valid points because yeah it was Thursday they didn't have a ton of time it was you know Utah State I think is more of a rivalry than a lot of people realize for BYU um, it is a game that honestly knowing knowing some BYU fans it is one of the ones that they get fouled up for which seems really weird um, but all of those local ones are you know ones that they really kind of uh, highlight on the schedule and I think it'll be different when they come to the Big Twelve because they'll have a more you know, a more, I guess, diverse area that they're going to for the, a lot of the games that they have. Like, I don't think they'll play Utah State every single year um, because they'll probably try to play Utah every single year. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how that, you know, works out. But, um, yeah, it's I think it's just hard to take a lot of that away from what they were doing. The other thing to keep in mind is that, you know, the game against Oregon, I believe they were still missing their two best wide receivers. And, like, they're back, or I think one of them's back, but they're not, like, at full strength. Like, there's... There's still some lineup stuff going on with what BYU has. And so I think that they are probably better than they're looking right now, but it's going to take some time, I think, for them to get back to where they need to be. Offensively, a little bit middle of the pack, uh, ranking 44th in EPA per game overall, 24th on offense, 82nd on defense. I think that's where I've been most disappointed. It's just, uh, I expected a little bit more from this defense. I thought I saw more from the first two weeks and it, and it, and it kind of feels like they haven't been able to shake off that Oregon game yet. Uh, I don't, it was, it was a physical game, but it just, they've got to shake out of it quick. Cause they've got two games coming up against Notre Dame and Arkansas on back-to-back weeks that are, are big for their season. Uh, okay. All right. You know what? Let's just, let's just do this. Let's just, talk a little Houston and I feel real bad for our boys over there at Scott and Holman podcast I can see them kind of trying to work through it on Twitter just just vocalizing some things and some frustrations and look you know you get to have a positive takeaway from this weekend it's that Dana Holgerson you know took blame for the performance against Tulane as opposed to blaming his players like he did the week before in their close win against Rice 
But here we go, and I'm going to ask you guys, is Houston the most disappointing team in the country so far this season? A team that had very high expectations. I mean, a lot of us thought we've we've got AAC champs here, at least title game. There were some, you know, look, they weren't going to make the playoff because of the non-conference schedule. <laughs> it's better than we thought it was going to be. But I just, at this point, with everything they had coming back and the expectations based off how they did last year, like you can make a case for Michigan State. You can make a case for, I don't know, I guess Wisconsin who just fired their head coach. Um, but I kind of wonder if Houston's not just the most disappointing team so far based off of expectations for them who are now sitting below 500 and 0-1 in conference play. Yeah, I think if you, as long as you have that caveat, right, of you are comparing it to preseason expectations. because. Mm. I don't think there's any way that you can say that anybody other than Nebraska or Colorado are probably the most disappointing. Um, well, and, well, and I guess Nebraska in terms of their own fans' expectations. Like, if you go by fan expectations, Nebraska is always the biggest disappointment because they never live up to it. <laughs> but, um, you know, it is it is one of those things, though, like, for a team that we thought was going to be really good, the fact that they were ranked number 25 coming into the year in the polls, like, this was a team that was expected to take that step forward and show, you know, why Houston is such a good add to the Big 12. And, you know, that was a, a tough game for them to have to play so many over. Like, it's, it's tough that they've had to play three overtime games already this year in only five games. That is that is brutal. It is really hard to play that much extra time. And having to do that in the first two games against UTSA and then also Texas Tech, you can tell that it took a lot out of them, but it shouldn't have had these kind of effects for this long. Unless Tulane's just a whole lot better than anybody thought they were. Like, yes, they beat K-State, but I don't know that I thought Tulane looked phenomenal in that game and so but they were able to turn that game against Houston into a very similar type game where you know it was really ugly really low scoring and Tulane was able to come out with it in the in the end zone with with a touchdown in overtime so Houston I I do agree I think they're probably the most disappointing for a team that was expected to be good this year yeah I mean there was the the hype was there that's for sure um I was I was I I picked him. Thought that was a great pick. Uh, but as always, I stand by nothing ever, anytime. So, uh, that's fine. But no, I mean it's it's definitely a little bit of a bummer because you did hope that they were really gonna start like showing out before they came and hit the conference. But like at the same time, teams have down years. It kind of is what it is, and like certainly. Like you said, Philip, having like a tougher non-con than you ended up anticipating, like in a in a great in a year where your team is like really really solid, that's awesome and that's so useful. In a year where you're not quite as good as you probably expected to be, that's that hurts because it, it really hurts your resume at the end of the year where you could have ended up with a little bit of a different win loss if you wouldn't have had that tough of a non-con. But again. You, you, you couldn't have really foreseen some of what happened there. <laughs> uh, just a reminder, Houston was voted number one in the AAC's preseason poll, edging out Cincinnati by just a point, but they were number one in the preseason poll. Right now, again, 0-1 in conference play. I There's going to be questions about Dana. It, you, you just have to. Um, I don't know that he's on the hot seat yet. I don't think he is. Um, I'm missing a bowl game altogether might put him there. I mean, we are seeing the number of jobs opening growing quickly. And and the idea of Houston missing a bowl game coming into the season is 
ridiculous. But I mean, again, you needed overtime to beat UTSA. You needed overtime. You, you went to overtime with Texas Tech. Texas Tech's not bad. You you got blasted by Kansas. Uh, you you had a very close game against a okay Rice team. You just got beat in overtime at home against Tulane. Now you got back-to-back road games at Memphis and and Navy, who's not very good. I mean, you've got Navy, you've got USF, you've got Temple. Like, there's wins on the schedule for them. I don't I don't think they'll miss a bowl game, but preseason number one of the conference going six and six is. I mean, it happens, but that's not what you want to see if you're a Houston fan. It's going to make this a tough year. Good thing Kelvin Sampson's still around. You've got a hell of a basketball team, so. Houston is this year's Kansas. It didn't work. I tried it. In All right. what way? <laughs> they can stop worrying about football and start focusing on. Basketball. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, no, it's really weird. Like normally I would already be, have gone through like five different lineup articles for Kansas basketball or, you know, a whole <laughs> bunch of like previewing the rotation, trying to rank the rotation, all that stuff. And I'm going to, I'm going to be honest. I haven't written a single basketball article since uh, football season started. So. 1,200 words on who should be the starting center for Kansas this year. Okay. All right. All right. That's right. We'll talk Cincinnati a little bit coming up. Um, let's talk. Let's just do it. Let's hop in. Kansas. Undefeated. 5-0. and Game day is finally coming to Lawrence. There will now only be eight Power 5 teams who have not hosted ESPN's college football Saturday morning show. Down from 9 to 8 now. That's very nice. And here's the thing about Kansas. All the talk has been about their offense, their offense, their offense, their offense is legit. And it is. It is a legitimately good offense. Jalen Daniels is, at this point, he's first team all Big 12 quarterback and making a run at offensive player of the year in the Big 12. Kansas' offense is not what it is without him. It's not even close. It's not remotely. He is, he is at this point, the most important player in the Big 12 to what its team's doing from a level of success. We've seen them score a ton of points and win that way. Now. Now we've seen them win ugly. We've seen them win a low-scoring defensive battle, 14-11. to 11. They scored all their points in the second quarter. They held Iowa State to 16 yards rushing, 0.5 yards per carry. Like We can talk about how Kansas' defense isn't any good. That's fine. They're going to face, sorry, Jamie, better teams. You're going to continue to test them. No, it's valid. But this Kansas team just keeps getting better and better and the defense is not as bad as we thought. I mean, this wasn't a high-scoring affair, and Kansas found a way at home to win. Yes, it was due to a missed field goal in the end, but Kansas is still the victor here, despite only putting up 14 points. Andy, I mean, they're not going undefeated, but, and I have saved your Kansas will make a Look, bowl Look, you game can't say that for clip. sure. I was to say, are we so sure, Philip? Like we have said, mathematically, it's we possible, have said so. so many times, right? Think about this, Philip. You just did it, right? Think of all the things that we have brought up on the show that we're like, "There's no way this is going to happen," but then it happened. You, you could know? be on the right side of history and say they will. When we were talking about game day coming to Lawrence, right? You know, we made the comment that they better come for Kansas and Duke because they may not have another chance. And I just kind of, you know, casually floated out there. Well, you know, I mean, they could be coming for an undefeated uh, Kansas versus an undefeated TCU. And, hey, look where we are. Like, this has been one of those things where this Kansas team, you, like, float out a really unlikely possibility. And yet somehow it magically is, like, spoken into existence. So I've been trying to do that. Undefeated 12-0, I'm all for it. Thanks, Philip. You're welcome. (laughs) I'm, I'm here to share. Okay, Andy. I mean, 
We know the Kansas offense is good. We know Jalen Daniels is awesome. Winning an ugly 14 to 11 game. What's what's the biggest takeaway from you or the thing that you maybe saw from Kansas in this game that impressed you the most or, or made you maybe just what was the biggest takeaway for you? Well, so I, I think what this game allowed is for people to see just how good this defense has been situationally. Because, yes, the yards have looked horrible. And and I think the biggest problem is that most people look at defenses by way of the yards that they give up and, and you know, look at them that way. And I know that there's things like EPA and, and, and stuff like that, but a big proponent of that is how does it change, you know, your field position to allow you to be able to score. And, again, I'm, I'm not saying that it's – it's horrible or anything like that. But what I am saying is that when you have a team like Kansas that gives up so many yards but then makes big plays, you know, when you get inside the red zone, I, I think it undervalues how good this defense is. I actually posted the stat before the game, said this is something to watch, right, in terms of Kansas in the red zone on offense has been really good in terms of touchdowns. They've gotten, I think it was like 80% touchdowns, um, whereas Iowa State had only gotten like 60%. Um, and then on the other side, you know, Kansas in the red zone had only given up, I think, like 40% touchdowns. And Iowa State had given up 60% touchdowns. So, like, this was one of those things where when you get in the red zone, can you convert that to a touchdown? Kansas has been actually really good at keeping teams from getting into the end zone once they get inside once they get inside the 20. And that is something that I think is highly underrated for this Kansas team. We saw that several times. We saw Kenny Logan with the big hit in the back of the end zone to knock the ball loose on what should have been a touchdown there. Um, I believe it was Xavier Hutchinson who beat his man to the to the corner of the end zone and, and Kenny Logan came across like we saw, you know, we saw uh, Craig Young get a huge sack right before the end of the half on that potential Hail Mary. So they didn't even get a chance to throw it down there. Like we saw time and time again, this Kansas defense come up big. And the thing that that really jumped out to me, I went back to do a rewatch because I was like. You know, as my as my mind playing tricks on me from watching it from up in the press box, it looked to me a lot like Kansas's defense was getting pressure on Hunter Deckers and making him make quick decisions. On the other side, Iowa State's defensive line was not getting to Jalen Daniels very often. There were times where he would run out of the pocket to extend plays, but they weren't actually getting there and affecting his throws when he was standing in the pocket to throw. There was just it, just, it was just that Jalen Daniels and his receivers seemed to be off. They didn't have the timing. They didn't have the coordination for this particular game. And I'm not saying Iowa State didn't have any effect on him at all, but just in general, as I was going back and rewatching the game, it seemed like the big difference there was defensive line play. And you saw how good this defensive line is and how much better it gets throughout the course of the game for the Jayhawks because they have so many guys that rotate and they can wear down the opponent. Iowa State had one sack and four tackles for lost against Kansas, the offensive line. Kansas had five sacks and eight tackles for loss against Iowa State's offensive line, the Kansas defense. Uh, as we said, Iowa State, 31 carries, 16 yards. Not good. Uh, and 16 of those yards, 12 of those yards came on a 16 yards carry. Now, granted, Hunter Deckers had negative 21 yards. So you want to take the sack and the tackle for loss yardage out of that, then the numbers would be slightly better, but still not great. Jamie, I... It's it's got to be tough after such a promising start, finally starting three and zero, finally get the Iowa monkey off of Iowa State's back, to zero and two. And I mean, can we get, can we just talk about at some point? Does, did has Iowa State hired a special teams coordinator yet, or are they still just kind of 
There's doing whatever. Someone like vaguely related to it, I guess. I don't know. I've heard time and time again they have a time. special teams. It, it's and Andy, it's you're muted again, my dude. You're you're muted this time. Yeah, no, I got it. I got it. Um, <laughs> I have heard from multiple Iowa State people that it is a special teams analyst, but they do not actually yeah, have an on-field coach. Uh, John Bonamego, special teams coach for six NFL franchises, on the staff is on the staff. Senior special teams analyst who's running Look, special like, teams i i'm i'm sick of like special teams not performing but like it's not on the I, kicker let me let, like, me let me just it's not on the field goal ki- i'm not i'm not blaming him for missing the the field goal no the it's just like it's game. like general across the board but like i'm also just not ever gonna play the game of like I think I know what's happening behind the scenes because I've been behind the scenes and I know that no one does. So like, I, I wish, I wish that like stuff was different. Like, I don't, I talked with Eric. I'm like, do we just got to cope? Like, I don't know. It's, it's annoying. It's, it frankly sucks, but like, I don't know. It's, it's been years. So I guess I just like sit and, get used to it and hope we can overcome it because I'm like I'm not going to sit around and like hope that things just are magically different like like once things change if things change and our special teams improves I will celebrate and enjoy it but until that time it just like I guess I guess that's it I guess it is what it is I it sucks it's not not a fun thing to struggle with. It is not enjoyable. It makes games disgusting. It makes you lose in ways that are the worst possible feeling to lose in that manner. Yeah, I don't I, like it. I, I understand that entirely. Um, it's happened a lot <laughs> to Kansas fans over the years. Um, you know, games where you've given up two inexplicable kick returns for a touchdown or punt returns for a touchdown or you know, a kicker missing a, I think an 18 yard field goal at one point, like something really stupid like that. So, um, yeah. And, and, and unfortunately like the field goal kicker is going to get the blame from a lot of fans for missing those kicks, but there are so many things. The snap has to be perfect. The, you know, the hold has to be perfect. And then he actually, actually has to kick it straight. Like it's one of those things. There's so many different things that go into it. You don't know if it was him kicking it incorrectly or if someone messed up the snap. I mean, we saw, you know, on the extra point from the one touchdown that they got that, hey, there was like a bobbled snap that they had to then pick up and, you know, and run it into the end zone when and it completely flummoxed Kansas because I think they thought it was a fake. And so they were like l- waiting, you know, for somebody in the end zone he was going to throw the ball to. But like we saw other issues with the special teams on the hold. So I can't say that it was the kicker that missed those. It very well, easily could have been a bad hold or a bad snap. And I mean, frankly, I saw more people like upset with the play call than the kicker. Well, yeah, yeah, true. Field goals, like that's at at that point, it's like everyone in the stadium knows what's up. Like, hey, uh, have have faith in your dudes. Like, that's great. I applaud that. But also, at a certain point, like, face facts. I don't know. Hey, look, I'm I'm just gonna say, like, uh, before the season, I would have been happy to say that I think Iowa State and Oklahoma are in the same boat. Boat at this point in the season, <laughs> and that is. <laughs> that they played terrible teams, the non-conference and thought maybe they got some going. And then you realize, Oh no, we just played bad teams. 
No, actually, it's 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 kind of funny. I never would have thought I would be ha- so happy that Kansas and Oklahoma are completely different with their situation. So, yeah, it's been a bizarro year so far. I, I hate it for Jace Gilbert. He was five for five on the season before the game against Kansas. Uh, it's wild when you look at this and say Iowa State had more yards, fewer penalties, fewer penalty yards, greater time of own the time of possession by eleven. About 11, about 10 minutes, and lost. Like I, I know this, the, you can't just look at box score and be like, well, I did, I did, I did. that's not how things work. But when typically you like to look at those things and go, okay, this makes sense. The outcome and the score line up with all the other things we're looking at. And no, absolutely not. Um, wild stuff. Congrats to Kansas. Iowa State's got some stuff to figure out. Um, we'll talk about their matchups coming up. Big one for Iowa State this coming weekend. A true rivalry matchup. Uh, look, there's some some issues with play calling, as Jamie said, with Iowa State and some questions about decisions that were made. One game where people were perfectly happy with a lot of the play calling was definitely Oklahoma State and Baylor, where Baylor had zero issue going for it on fourth down on their side of the field. I believe they went three for four on fourth down inside their own 40. Inside their 40. Yeah. Dave Aranda's like, nah, we're going to do this. And they converted three of them, including a few who were like, they're doing this on their own, like 18. And they got it. Okay, cool. It failed them once. But the rest of the time, as an Oklahoma State fan, you're just going, they're going to fire. Now, OSU got the win, but look, if you're the kind of person who loves to see teams going for it more and doesn't want to just see a bunch of punts and field goal kicks like Dave Aranda is here for us. He is, he is the people's coach because we demand these kinds of things and want them. And Dave Aranda is doing them now. Look, that is not the reason that Baylor lost on Saturday at Oklahoma state, but at props to Baylor props to Dave Aranda on being out there. Like, you know what? Let's just go for it. It's our side of the field. Cool. Let's go. We're down a couple scores. Why not? Let's try it. And Baylor did fairly well at executing those like props to them. Uh, honestly, it came down to a couple of interceptions in the fourth quarter that killed Baylor drives and allowed Oklahoma state to, to milk clock or kick an extra field goal just to push that lead back to 11. But here we sit similar to Iowa state Baylor with the first loss in conference play, but two losses of the season, Oklahoma state, the undefeated team at five and zero. OSU seven and one in their last eight matchups against ranked teams. Ho oh, uh, And since the start of the 2020 season, Mike Gundy is 24 and five overall. I think my biggest takeaway, like Baylor played pretty well. Um, they were able to get some, some deep passes that we hadn't seen Baylor be able to execute. Uh, Baldwin for Baylor is, is pretty dang good. That he had one run. He just pulled away from everybody and you can see the DBs like, we're going to catch him. He's like, no, you're not like, I'm, we are not watching the same thing right now. Like you think you're going to catch him. You're not going to do it. Uh, but for Oklahoma state, look, I know Spencer Sanders threw a pick in this game. Um, this is the Spencer Sanders everybody at Oklahoma State's been waiting to see, really since the Notre Dame game. Um, an efficient one. He may have put up the you know greatest stats of his career, but good and great Spencer Sanders is when he performs well and doesn't turn the ball over. He's got two interceptions on the season. But, I mean, we talked about heading into this game, like Baylor had like nine picks from him. Like, I think it was like a four to nine touchdown to interception ratio when Spencer Sanders faced off against Baylor. One pick, uh, Blake Shapin was the one who threw two interceptions, obviously had a big impact on the final score, but OSU is 4-0. and 
they look good. I'm still not sure. And I think it's probably my OSU like anxiety that makes me not sure if I want to say they're the best team in the big 12 yet. Plus, you know, Kansas is five and oh, Kansas state. I know they lost to Tulane, but they're playing much better. TCU is undefeated as well, but OSU's look pretty good. The defense will give up a big play here or there, but they've been pretty sound, especially on the defensive line. The secondary is playing a lot better than they did in the first game. And this is a good Baylor team. And I think that's one of those Baylor teams you go, this is a team that's really well coached and solid and lost a bunch of guys to the NFL, which is exactly what Baylor looks and feels like. And it's pretty accurate. Yeah. The other thing I'll say is that Baylor strikes me as one of those ultimate like roller coaster teams, right? Where they can play really well for stretches and then just play really bad for stretches too. Um, and like we saw some some pretty bad throws, some pretty bad like reads, some things that they did that need some improvement and some stretches where they just didn't play like they were the 16th ranked team in the country. Um, and, and definitely some of that credit goes to Oklahoma State. Um, but it is one of those things where this Baylor team can can blitz you really well and rack up a bunch of points. And we saw them do that in the third quarter where they had, you know, a stretch where they really started to come back and actually make this a game. Um but overall, they just are very uneven. Blake Shapin is a is a okay quarterback, like, but he has some really good positives and some really bad negatives. He seems to not necessarily value the ball as much as you would hope, or is making poor decisions or something. But he's turning the ball over more than you would expect from a Baylor quarterback, um, you know, especially the one that you know got Gary Bohannon to transfer. So like, uh, it's you know, it's one of those. Uh, Jerry, sorry, uh, it's one of those things though where like I don't know, I still don't know what to make of this Baylor team. Right, like I think that they could be good, but I'm still seeing enough worrying signs from them that they could have some problems coming up, especially against some of these other teams that have good offenses that can take advantage of what their defense is doing, or have defenses that can situationally take, you know, Shapen or or punish Shapen for the mistakes that he's going to make. Yeah, I mean, I I saw the good of them last week. I didn't get to see as much of anything of them this week but like I can see them like you said Andy kind of being the up and down team I mean I think I see that potentially from I still stand by that I think K-State may have a little bit of that in them as well um and frankly I think that that's gonna be for a good chunk of the Big 12 the way the season goes by virtue of the fact that there's a lot of really competent teams like you don't have anyone dragging at the bottom really like if that's Iowa State like that's a team that wouldn't be dragging up the bottom in a lot of other conferences you know and so it's a year where your margin is slimmer to be elite in this conference and so they'd they have a couple things to kind of sort out a little bit like by no means a bad team. They're by no means like in panic mode, I think uh, after that game, but it's, it certainly is interesting to see that sort of matchup early in this season to kind of get your bearings on for me, at least like where Oklahoma state is as a team. Uh, I, I certainly am, am more sold on them by the week. That was a nice pun, by the way, to get their bearings. Um, but anyway, very intentional. Very, yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, kind of to your point, Jamie. Like, I can't look at a single team on on this, you know, in this entire conference, with maybe the exception of West Virginia, 
where I look at them and say, I can't imagine scenarios where they are both in the top half and the bottom half of the conference this year. Like, Kansas could still take a nosedive and end up in the bottom half of the conference. Kansas State could take a nosedive and, you know, I mean, Adrian Martinez has looked great the last two weeks, but nothing to say that he's going to continue to look great. Um, You know, like, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I don't know with just how strong this conference is. Like, I think it's pretty much a given at this point that either Oklahoma or Texas are going to finish in the bottom half, but I think that's just because there's so many other good teams that are, you know, going to be able to, you know, I guess beat on them week in and week out that they're going to drop more than I, than anybody was prepared for coming into the year. But I think every team, you know, I've heard from a lot of people nationally that the big 12 is top to bottom, the best conference, the most evenly matched conference that there is. And it's even more so than it normally is. And so it is so weird, right? That this is not only the best basketball conference with everybody that can play really well, but now a super even football conference, which is honestly completely out of nowhere. And it's making this season, I think, much more interesting for those people that, uh, you know, that are rooting for any teams in the Big 12. Yeah, no, there is no doubt the Big 12 is the most competitive top to bottom. It is the best conference. Because, again, look, West Virginia is not, I don't know if they're great. They're not great. They're not terrible. Like, I know they don't look good against Texas, but, like, West Virginia is not awful. That's not a, it's not a terrible football team. And so if that's the bottom, compared to what the bottom has been, what Kansas has regularly been, and what some of the other Big 12 teams in past years have been sitting there like in, in eighth or ninth place, like if West Virginia is the worst team in the Big 12, that's the best worst team in any Power 5 conference. Hands down. No, no, they'd be, I think that I would have them to beat Vanderbilt in the SEC. They would beat the crap out of Colorado in the Pac-12. I mean, how many bad teams are in the Big 10? Uh, Nebraska, uh, Indiana. Like, there's plenty of bad teams. The top to bottom, there's no conference as good as the Big 12. Well, I take that back. There is there's one thing as good top to bottom as the Big 12, and that is the lineup at Home Field Apparel. Because there is nothing that you go and see there, and you're like, that is, that is classic 2012 Kansas football. No, it is not. It's not Rutgers. They have Rutgers. It's not... Vanderbilt, they have Vanderbilt. It is top to bottom, excellent, amazing, incredibly comfortable vintage college force apparel, all of it at home field apparel. And you need to stock your drawers and your closets with as much of it as you can get. Now look, 10-12 week is over. Alas, if you did not take advantage of that while it was an opportunity, I am sad for you. I am. It was a great 10-shirt collection that you could have saved 15% on. But don't worry. You have not purchased from Homefield Apparel yet. You can use our promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2, and get 15% off your first purchase. They have every current and future Big 12 school available. They keep popping up new shirts all the time. Again, they just they had a, there's a recent Kansas and Kansas State edition. Uh, we've seen new shirts added on the regular. I'm sure some more stuff is going to continue to pop up. Just keep your eyes on it. So don't forget that promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2 for 15% off your first purchase on the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel that there is. I'm wearing one of my Kansas State shirts right now. It just says Wildcats. It's got a leaning Wildcat on the name. It's very comfortable. I'm not oh, you're wearing a Wildcat shirt today? That's interesting. I'm, writing I'm wearing down. Kansas. Kansas State. Right here. Jamie, if it you feel any better, I was wearing my Iowa State uh, walking size shirt most of the day today. 
that's just rubbing it in. That doesn't make me feel better at all. <laughs> I, I wasn't uh, sure. I wasn't going to bring it up, but then Philip had to go, and I was trying to make you feel better, but sorry. I, I double home field yesterday. I went at TCU on earlier in the day, and then switched to my OSU uh, for the Oklahoma State game. Uh, so I double home field. This is my third home field shirt of the weekend. That's three shirts in two days. That's how comfortable they are. Um, and how much I enjoy wearing them. So, do not forget that promo code NETWORK12 for 15% off your first purchase and be rocking the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel this college football and basketball and soccer and every other sport that is going on right now season. Volleyball. Hells to the F. Iowa State with a big win! Yes! I, uh, actually, Eric and I figured something out today on our show. So, uh, our theory is that for through this week... I, we would like for the volleyball and football teams to just avenge each other because volleyball beat Baylor after football lost to them. But then volleyball today, Sunday, lost to K-State. So they're going to need football to avenge them. And then volleyball plays Kansas on Friday. So they're going to avenge the football team. And then after that, they can both just win. They can, they can both win after that. But for this three-game stretch, that's... That's the mindset. That's the motivation we're going for. I, I notice how you only want this to happen for avenging losses that have already happened and not avenging losses in the future. That's the only way it works. Yes. Uh, Andy. This is based in logic and reason. Kansas Volleyball had a nice win as well over Oklahoma. Yeah. Straight sets. It was a pretty good sweep. Ooh. They yeah, also beat nothing. Kansas State, uh, you know, the week before or like that Saturday before. And, uh, you know, Kansas was beating up on Duke. So in, in football, so unfortunately they were not able to make Baylor have a two game or a two match losing streak. Unfortunately, I guess, I guess not everything can go Kansas way. No, you, you gotta lose sometimes. You gotta lose sometimes. Hey, just, Hey, and credit to home field. Andy credit to home field. Yeah. I believe. Did you bring this up on the last show? Was that you who did? Cause home field tweeted it out that since the Kansas line was released, by home field, Kansas is undefeated in football and has won a men's basketball national championship. No, no, no. I brought it up because since I launched Blue Wings Rising over on SI's Fan Nation, oh, they have won right. a national championship. Right. And I just updated today to say I, they're 5-0 in football. Now, see, see, I know you want to take credit for that, but I think it's home field magic. Maybe it's, it's home both. Field magic. It's a real thing. It can be sure, both. Sure, Andy. It can sure, be Andy. Sure, it can. Sure, it can. Uh, Okay. Speaking of the Wildcat shirt I am wearing, Kansas State joins Kansas, the other 2-0 team in Big 12 play. Uh, ooh, what a week five. Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn combined for 35 carries, 360 yards, three touchdowns. Very impressive. But let's be honest, as good as Deuce is and as good as Deuce was, Kansas State will go as Adrian Martinez goes the rest of the season. And I'm going to backtrack here just for a second. Um, I'm taking full blame to the Kansas State coaching staff for the loss to Tulane. Whether it was a look-ahead spot or they're just being overly conservative, y'all coached yourselves a loss right there. I'm not putting that on any player's shoulders. Y'all did that. Climbing and the rest of the coaching staff. You were not prepared for Tulane. You were too busy preparing for the next week. Oh, tell I'm, me otherwise. That's fine. I don't believe it. I'm going to be honest. State, the, the way you said that, I thought you personally were taking responsibility for that loss, not putting it on I the am, coaches. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's it's Again, because you weren't wearing your K State home field shirt, right? That is that is accurate. I think I was wearing walking sigh that Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. 
You just it, it, it's hard to beat Tulane when they wear those helmets. Look, back to Martinez. Kansas State jumped out to a 13 and a lead. Very impressive. Texas Tech then came back and tied it up. While they were doing so, Martinez was two for six for 14 yards and was sacked three times. And then Martinez got going again, and Kansas State blew out the blew open the game and got the victory over Texas Tech. Kansas State's defense is solid. They're good. But Kansas State's season is going to go as Adrian Martinez goes. And when Adrian Martinez is playing really well, Kansas State's going to be playing really well, and they're going to win a lot of games. If Adrian Martinez looks anything like he did in week one, two, or three, Kansas State is going to struggle. The defense is good, but it is not. we're not going to allow you to score any points, and we can win with, with 14. Good. But it is a good defense. So, and I think Kansas State fans know this, but that is that's just the reality. And it's it's very similar to what Kansas is going through. Of look, if something happens to Jalen Daniels, knock on wood, like can't that, that the Kansas season's been fun. It's been nice. It's been a great story. On to next year. Like Kansas will still be competitive, but Kansas State's the same way. Like there's lots of things to like about with these teams, but you will go as far as your quarterbacks take you this season. Kansas State is absolutely in that boat as well. And I think that was even more proven this past weekend against Texas Tech and the way that that game played out. Yeah, I mean, looking at Kansas State, I I think the one thing that kind of jumped out to me from this game is that, well, you know, obviously it was great to have a good Adrian Martinez again. And and I definitely think that they are playing like the best team or one of the best teams in the Big 12 right now. Um, But it is one of those things where, like I look at what the defense did against the Red Raiders and it doesn't look that much different than what other teams have done against the Red Raiders this year. Um, which I don't know if that's a, you know, if that's good or bad or what that really tells us about Kansas State, but it is not an instance where this Kansas State defense is so much better than all of the other defenses that are in the Big 12 that are playing these other teams. And so that makes Adrian Martinez even more important. And the fact that you saw good Adrian Martinez and not so good Adrian Martinez at the same time in this game means, you know, kind of like what we were talking about with Baylor, that you can have good stretches and bad stretches of the same game. This game, I think, really came down to Donovan Smith making the same mistakes that he has made against other teams this year, throwing, you know, bad interceptions. Um, And, like, you definitely have to give some credit to the defenses that are doing that, but when he does that consistently, it is something that, you know, you wonder how much of that is Texas Tech and how much of that is Kansas State actually you know, playing at a at a higher level than we thought maybe they were. Again, I'm not saying that Kansas State's playing bad. It's just something to watch. Like, it's something to kind of take a look at that, you know, I don't think th- this defense from Kansas State is striking me very similar, I think, to the way that, like, Iowa State's defense, you know, was, was striking me. I think it's a really good defense. I just don't know that I've seen enough yet on the field to make me think it's a better defense than I thought it was coming into the season. Yeah, I I continue to be like intrigued by the way that Kansas State has adjusted their offense. Like it it certainly needed an adjustment. Like you you don't have a not that there is a a, a typical quarterback, but if there were to be one, Martinez wouldn't be it. But they're making a very like successful offense that's centered around him. And so it's it's very fascinating to watch the way a team adjusts because I am like a self-proclaimed novice as far as football strategy and such is concerned. So do I know really anything? Nah, but I can identify if something like is working or not. 
at the very least. It's working right now. It It's kind of weird, but it's working. And I think that that's like a, a pretty solid endorsement of like where they're at as a team because that requires a lot of people to buy in to run things in an atypical fashion, whatever that may be. You know, after Texas Tech upset Texas and Kansas State upset Oklahoma, one of the things we asked was like, who's, whose win here is more reputable with what they did? And we leaned toward Kansas State and Adrian Martinez over Texas Tech and Tyler Shuck. Sorry, right, uh, Donovan Smith, not Tyler Shuck. I was just literally Googling Tyler Shuck to see what he's getting back from injury. Um, and and I think that was proven on the field on Saturday it, that we were right in saying Kansas State and, and Adrian Martinez's performance is a more repeatable thing than Texas Tech and Donovan Smith. And so for Kansas State, if they can continue that, if that can keep going throughout this season, if they can keep this run going, like our my preseason prediction of them having a real shot at making Arlington, just, I mean, especially with the way Oklahoma and Texas look right now, just looks better and better and better. Um, and for Texas Tech, I think you're going to have a real quarterback in uh, battle when Tyler Shuck is healthy again as to whether or not Donovan Smith can keep that job based off of his performances maybe next week, or if Tyler Shuck's just going to be popped right back in and they're going to give him another shot um, after the way, after the up and down that we've seen from Donovan Smith so far. He's got the lowest QBR uh, of every starting quarterback in the Big 12 thus far. Um, I, I had really high hopes for him, and I think he can still continue to develop into a good quarterback, but thus far, uh, he just he kind of kind of ain't it. Uh, okay. I believe TCU just scored another touchdown on Oklahoma. I think we might have missed a couple while we were talking. I was doing the home field ad read. Look, we have a real question here. Um, TCU at this point ain't played nobody. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Um, no, but you looked at the non-conference, and we had this question with a lot of our teams. We had the same problem with Oklahoma State, like. Their non-conference hasn't been very impressive. It's hard to know if they're good or not. For TCU, I mean, at least they played SMU. We think SMU might be pretty good, or at least decent. Look at the way their schedule stacks out. When we did the scheduling, they hadn't played anybody. And so we we get to see them open conference play at home against Oklahoma. And and look, I hope Dylan Gabriel is okay. I hope he gets back healthy. I expect he'll probably be on the, on the field for Oklahoma against Texas this coming Saturday. But Dylan Gabriel's injury was long after TCU had already blown this game wide open. And so is TCU that good or is OU that bad right now? And it's not, it's take away credit from TCU. What they did was fantastic and amazing, but it's such a, it's such an outlier performance, how Oklahoma looked on both sides of the ball. And for TCU to just blow them out in that way, again, repeatable performance, right? I think TCU is good on this performance locks that in, but how good is TCU and how do we use this game as far as a measuring stick for how good TCU is if we think OU might be worse than we originally thought because of this performance? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I I don't know that this is an aberration from Oklahoma because if you think about it, they had an awful first half against Kent State. They were losing three to nothing at halftime against Kent State. Like, this is one of those things where Oklahoma has shown us worrying signs all year long so far. And our thought process, the way we've talked about it, is always like, oh, well, they'll get it figured out by the time conference play starts. You know, 
this is the actually the second uh, it's the second time in the last three years that Oklahoma has started zero and two in conference play. Um, they did it in twenty twenty, which you know COVID season, all that weird stuff. But like, yes, last time they won out, <laughs> including a win in a New Year Six bowl. Uh, I'm sorry, no, in the in the yeah the the Cotton Bowl. Um, so like, it is definitely possible for them to get things turned around. But this is an offense that seems to have problems that doesn't necessarily know what it wants to be. Um, this is a defense that, you know, Venables is a defensive coach. He came in and the expectation was he would get the defense turned around. And that's just not possible, I think, to turn it around that quickly. Like, I think what we have found uh, by watching this team is that there was just as much personnel issue as there was coaching issue with Oklahoma's defense the last few years. And so I do think it's something where it's going to take time for them to fix it. They have to figure something out because this defense is not playing well at all. They have the athletes that they should have, but for some reason it's just not coming together into a coherent system that can actually stop people in the Big 12. There are way too many good offenses in the Big 12 for Oklahoma to be able to skate by on an up-and-down offense that they have, even when Dylan Gabriel's healthy. Yeah, like it it just becomes so easy to say they'll figure it out because they always have. And so all of a sudden it gets to the point where like, you want to be skeptical, but the past has always proven you wrong in skepticism. And so it, it, you, you kind of fall into that trap, but I don't know. They, they could turn it around and they, I mean, I'm sure they'll still have a, a decent season. I, I am not uh, going to be predicting Oklahoma in like, the bottom half of the conference, but you have to at least consider the possibility based on the evidence to start the conference season. And I don't know that I would have been ready to really do that even in years that they maybe haven't shown like their full potential right away, but that's a departure and a significant one from what we've come to expect there, which isn't like crazy given everything that's happened between last season and this season for them, but it's, it's definitely an adjustment mentally. Well, I mean, and, and look at it, like you look at the rest of the games on their schedule. I think the only one that I look at right now and I say for sure, they're going to win that one is the game against West Virginia. That's it. Like, yes, I think that they are going to be heavy favorites in like a game at Texas tech and a game at Iowa state and they'll be favorites against Kansas unless they have another really awful week against Texas this week. Like, they're going to be favorites, I think, in a lot of games. But I don't think that there's another game on their schedule where you look at it right now and say, this Oklahoma team that we're seeing for sure is guaranteed to beat that team. Like, West Virginia, I think, is the closest it comes. But I don't even know that I necessarily would say for sure. Like, I can envision a scenario where West Virginia starts playing better. I don't think that they will. Like, I do think that Oklahoma will beat them when they go there. But... I think it's easy enough to see Oklahoma getting enough losses to end up as sixth in the conference this year. Yeah, again, back in bottom half of the conference, sixth is bottom half. Yeah. And the difference between fourth and sixth can be tiebreakers. I mean, it, it, it can be. And we're only, we're, it's early in the conference play. At, at most, anybody's played two games. And so there's still, it, it's, it's hard to say, like, this is how things are going to go. Right, because we are used to seeing Oklahoma 
suffer a loss early. 2020, COVID season, weird things, start 0-2, rebound. But this isn't Lincoln Riley's team anymore. And so this notion that they're just going to rebound. And again, 2020, they lost two close games against Iowa State and Kansas State. They were close games. They didn't blown out either one. Oh, you just got blown out. I, I don't remember the time, last time Oklahoma got blown out in a game that didn't involve the eventual like national champions in the playoff. Not in conference play. They got blown out. And again, we could talk about the Gabriel injury, and I hate that. And that play was dirty, TCU. Um, but that injury isn't the reason OU got blown out. They just flat out did. It will be very interesting to see what they do the next couple of weeks. Um, by the way, Andy, if Kansas is the Vegas favorite in that game in two weeks, then we that, know that hell is frozen over. That might then two set two thousand seven be damned. It's now twenty twenty two is going to be <laughs> right, the right, right. Year. Yeah, twenty twenty two very well may be the year that everybody points to as the bizarro world year in college football. Okay. It can't get to, to for people seem to forget about 2007 though. And that we keep, we've been trying to make this comp since 2020. It feels like go look at the teams who are in the top 10 of the standings. The last like five to six weeks of the season, as long as it's still Clemson, Bama, Georgia, I know Georgia barely, barely beat Missouri, but they won. So until the top 10 includes a bunch of like, what? Like, isn't just your top four of your regular standards. Like the, there was a point where like West Virginia, Missouri, I think that was that the year West Virginia, Missouri at one point were one, two until the next week. And was that West Virginia lost to Pitt? West Virginia fans are screaming right now in pain. Uh, yeah. And that was Missouri that, lost to OU in the big 12 title game. Yeah. That was also the year that Kansas and Missouri played as number two and number four. Yeah. yeah. USF was in the top 10 South Florida. USF was, was in the top two 10. at one point. Okay, so until we start getting to that level of insanity, right, right. When, when when Duke makes it into the top fifteen and Syracuse and Kansas are you know two and four in the poll, like that's when we know it's gotten to two thousand level, two thousand seven levels. Yeah, like we we need some real, and it's got to be late in the season, not like week seven, like week ten. Then oh, it's gonna take that. a lot. It would it would take some really weird results for Kansas and Syracuse to be in the top four in week seven. That's what I'm just saying. So that's the difference. That's the one thing we got to talk about. Okay. Uh, we got one more game to get to here. Texas knocking off West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia falls to 2-3, and 0-2 oh, in conference play. Texas gets their first conference win. They move to 3-2. and two. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on Texas. Kansas, C.J. Donaldson, Donaldson, man, I have not seen an update on him. I hope he is going to be well. The last news that I had seen as of, I think, Saturday night. Uh, but, like, yeah. The la- every article from like 21 hours ago, and we're recording Sunday night, was you know alert and staple following his injury. That was just looked bad. Um, I hope he is well. Uh, okay, here we go. 22 hours ago, Donaldson cleared to return. Yeah, with team after injury, so he at least went back with the team. But man, not good. It was a terrible sight. Um, I, and if if West Virginia is has lost him for any stretch of time. This season's just going to get worse for the Mountaineers this year as far as, as the performance on the field. Uh, look, we came into the year saying that Neil Brown wasn't going to be on the hot seat because his buyout is absolutely way too much money. Um, unless some donors can start big, backing up some Brinks trucks, that might still be the reality. West Virginia, I, I hate this for them. Um, obviously, 
Brandon and Jeremy of the Raspy Voice Kids, please go listen because they're going to have plenty of thoughts. Um, go check that one out. I don't know. I just I don't I don't know for West Virginia because you look at the schedule the rest of the way. I think their offense is still good enough to get them a win or two. Maybe you can pull off an upset. The Big Twelve is as open as we keep saying it is. Then and West Virginia is not awful. They could still pull off a win at home somewhere. Um, but getting even to a bowl game, like at this point, I would just pick West Virginia to finish in the bottom of the conference and finish below 500 this year. I, I have not seen enough for them to say like, yeah, they're going to find a way to get four more wins and not finish in the cellar. Like, I just, I don't see it this year. I don't. And I, and so the question becomes, does someone back up the Brings truck to allow West Virginia to make a hire? And the jobs are opening quick folks. We just had two more open today, Colorado and Wisconsin out of nowhere. They just want Jim Leonard to, to do well enough to get that job. Let's just be honest here. That's that's the reality Wisconsin's facing. Um, they want Jim Leonard to have enough time to prove that he's the guy to take over and to be the next head coach at Wisconsin. They want to hire him. Um, but for West Virginia, I just, I don't know. Like I, It does not feel like a good year for them at all. And I it feels like the shift might be going to Bob Huggins in men's basketball real quick. Yeah, I mean, for them to make a bowl game, they either have to beat everybody that they have left at home, which includes three currently ranked teams, or they have to find a way to get a road win at Texas Tech, at Iowa State, or to end the season at Oklahoma State um, for every game at home that they do not win the rest of the way. I just, I don't see how they do it. Um, If I'm looking at it right now, I think their two best opportunities for a win are against Texas Tech and against Iowa State, just looking at the where everybody is right now. And those are both on the road, which is not a good thing for West Virginia. So, yeah, this is a season, I think, at this point that if I'm a West Virginia fan, unfortunately, um, I don't know that there can really be any expectations for wins the rest of the year. Like, I think that they're going to probably get one, maybe two, just because weird stuff's going to happen in the Big 12 with with how competitive it is. But it's going to require them to pick up a win. They will probably be, be very big underdogs in pretty much every game the rest of the year. Or actually, I, I'm probably willing to say that unless Oklahoma just goes into free fall at this point, which, again, I still can't see happening, um, they will. I, I can almost guarantee that they will be an underdog, a Vegas underdog, in every game they have left this season because it's either against a much better team than them right now or they're on the road. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's far enough into the season for things to have shaken out enough to make assumptions, and things can go against your assumptions. Things can change, but you can say, like, the way things stand – and there's a higher likelihood that things persist in the way that they have than it there is that things are going to change drastically. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a long season for West Virginia, and I hate it for them. I really do, because I am really concerned that, like, <laughs> $16, million, $17 million to get him to leave. We can have a really nasty riot bull. Woof. Just a really, really gross showing. You might. You might. Uh, Okay. Uh, Last note before we talk about next week. Cincinnati getting the uh, 31-21 win over Tulsa. It's their 17th consecutive AAC victory. 15 regular season, two championship games. The Bearcats are now two wins shy of UCF's conference record of 17 straight regular season wins and 19 straight combined victories against American opponents. Cincinnati continues on a roll. 
their next two games are at home against South Florida in week six and at SMU in week eight. I think Cincinnati might just leave the American owning like the win streaks, owning that record book. And uh, at this point, I am not like I am fading Houston hard. I've not been super impressed with UCF. I think they've still got some issues to work out. So their defense is playing better. Uh, I am. They are. They feel like the the lock on favorite for winning the conference at this point uh, in the American. Yeah, I mean I it's one of those you. things. I would say it's one of those things where uh, it's a good idea or a good thing that uh, you know they all got invites to the Big Twelve last year because. With the exception of Cincinnati, like the rest of the teams coming from the American of not having great years this year. Like, I doubt that would have stopped them from actually making it in, you know, if, uh, well, one, because it would have happened before the season even started. But, um, like, it's one of those things. I'm sure that they will be happy to be over in the Big 12. And if they're not going to have great years, at least they'll be getting pretty good paychecks for it. So, um, but yeah, no, it's one of those things where, you know, you're going to have weird games and weird results from, every team like we saw Missouri almost upset Georgia in the SEC yesterday so like there's weird stuff all over the place and I just I I think that Cincinnati it was great for them to get that win against Tulsa uh, yeah against Tulsa and they have a fairly easy schedule I think coming up and through probably most of the rest of the schedule for them um yeah I I don't understand or I don't see a way that they are not gonna win the conference this year unless a team like Memphis just starts beating people's brains in. So it, it's great for them. It's great for Bearcats fans. I'm sure that they will enjoy it, and I think that they are going to be fairly competitive when they come over immediately. But um, hopefully the rest of the American teams that are coming over can can you know pick stuff up for next season so we can have an even more super fun competitive conference. I mean, I think that it's a lot different jumping into a different conference because obviously it's like difficult, but it's also easier to recruit a little bit higher tier of player when you know you're going to be in a higher conference so like it's certainly an interesting situation to see several teams coming into that we haven't seen for quite a while in the big 12 i'm sam and i co-host the scott and podcast the known universe's first houston cougar sports podcast every week even during the offseason my co-host dustin and i come on and talk everything current as it relates to the Cougs, and every so often, we'll bring on UH luminaries like Carl Lewis, Kellen Sampson, and a number of other fantastic Cougar voices. And as proud members of the 1012 Network, we also find the time to talk about our future conference and future opponents in the Big 12 as well. If all of that sounds even a little bit interesting to you, we would love it if you subscribe to the Scott Holm Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and everywhere else you put podcasts in your ears. That's podcast spelled P-A-W-D cast because the two of us hosting the show are nothing if not big dork so thank you and go Cougs. boom bosco's boys is here i think we all wanted it and the marriage is officially official i'm so pumped to bring my show to the 1012 network bosco's boys the most consistent K-State podcast out there over four years with at least one episode a week, bringing live shows to the listeners and to the participants every Wednesday at 7 p.m. 
I'm pumped to be here, and I would love it if you guys came over to Bosco's Boys and gave us a listen. Because we are not Big J Journos. This is a podcast by a fan and his dog for fellow K-State and Big 12 fans. And I can't wait to chop it up with all the members and fans of the 1012 Network. Let's wrap this up the way we do every show every week. Let's look to the weekend ahead and pick the game that we are most excited about. We have quite the lineup this week. I like good ones. Uh, yeah, SMU, UCF, that game has been pushed to Wednesday, but we're going to count it because technically it was supposed to be last week. Uh, we've got Houston visiting Memphis on Friday. We've got Cincinnati hosting South Florida on Saturday. We've got BYU, as we mentioned, facing Notre Dame in Las Vegas. Very exciting. In the Big 12, currently Oklahoma State hosting Texas Tech. Game day, matchup, undefeated is number 17 versus number 19, TCU versus Kansas and Lawrence. Red River, it's just, it feels like another game this year, uh, Texas and Oklahoma. And the Big 12's new best rivalry, Farmageddon, Kansas State on the road in Ames against Iowa State. Like I said, uh, week six in the Big 12, that's quite the lineup of games my friends, you need to make sure you're uh, watching all of them, even though a lot of them are on the same time. <laughs> uh, you know the rules. You can't pick your own team. Andy, which game are you most looking forward to this weekend? Rules be damned. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Pick TCU, Kansas, come on. It has to be. Game day, first time in Lawrence. Um, you know, this is, I mean, this is the game that I think everybody is going to want to tune into. Um, I think this will be the first time that, you know, game day is going to have a ton of people there or watching. And then unless your team is playing in that 11 o'clock slot, I'm imagining there's got a lot of people that are going to flip over to FS1 to kind of see what everything's all about. So I wouldn't be shocked to see a pretty good, you know, rating for this game for being on FS1 um, because this is a this is a story that every, everybody is clamoring for. This is something that everybody wants to see. Um, in the spirit, though, of enjoying our game the way that we normally do, I will also say I am very interested in Kansas State and Iowa State. Um, you know, if, if Adrian Martinez is going to have a bad game in the next few, I think Iowa state has the type of, of defense that can give him fits. So I think this game is going to allow us to see is Adrian Martinez going to be able to lead Kansas state consistently to big wins, or is he going to have games where he is going to go back into his shell? And I think Iowa state has the perfect type of defense to be able to do that to him. All right. Uh, Wednesday night, I probably won't have anything better to do. So I might throw on SMU UCF. I work a little late. I'll throw on the second half. Friday, uh, I should go to bed early. I decidedly will not. I'll probably watch Houston Memphis or at least (laughs) have it on and maybe pay attention. No, uh, it'll be on in the back as I pack stuff at the last second. I'm mostly packed, but I'm going to remember 18 things the night before. As for the rest of them, I haven't flown commercial since before the pandemic. That's a subtle flex. I've flown many times. But when I do radio, we fly private. Uh, I don't know how much internet is on those flights anymore. So depending it's like on eight bucks. Oh, okay. That's 
that's probably manageable. My flight to Can- okay, so I from to Chicago at six thirty. I'm gonna get there about eight, but then I'm on a plane from like nine to about one. So if I'm watching any of that mess, it's gonna be on the flight, but that's probably worth it. So I might, I guess I could technically pick TCU Kansas. Uh, Not only that, but most flights now have like live TV, which includes stuff like ESPN oh, on it. So cool. you very well may be able to watch games that are on the major networks. That'd be so sick. I'll 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 update everyone. I know you're waiting on pins and needles, but ultimately the only game that I have like significant confidence in is that I will watch uh, at least a portion of Kansas State and Iowa State. And we'll just see how that goes. Watching some Farmageddon in Cancun. That is uh, that is not a bad Saturday. Look, I uh, I put our game of the week, our 10-12 game of the week list together like weeks ago. I put it out for every week and kind of had, you know, and some of them I, I was like, no, we're going to do this one that week. I don't care what, like the, that's just the game we're going to do. And the other weeks we had some options. And look, <laughs> Red River is always an option. It's not even remotely in consideration like it might be the fourth the fifth game on the list this particular year and i really did come like two weeks ago i'm like we're gonna do byu notre dame it's byu notre dame team coming in it's gonna be very exciting you're playing notre dame in vegas this is cool it's not it farmageddon it is the new big 12's best rivalry this year it ain't it it i'm an oklahoma state fan i can't pick osu texas tech and even if i could that ain't it it's TCU Kansas. It's the game of the week. It is the Big 12 game of the week. It is. It might end up as the highest rated FS1 game that has ever been played on FS1. And is also, again, I did a total and utter disservice to the Big 12 that that's just how its most interesting games are being treated. But, say la vie, alas, I'm sure Michigan will be available on Fox again somehow. I have not seen where Big Noon is going. Are they going to go to a third straight Michigan there, game? Yes. It's, it's Michigan, Probably. Indiana. Yep. No, they're not. Yep. They've already announced Big News it. Saturday is going to Michigan, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Garbage, Indiana. They're literally just going to go to every Michigan game. They're just like, you know what we're doing? We're doing the Michigan tour. We're just going to do the whole. Yeah, they can just set it up now, probably. Make it I mean, they wow. got to get in good with Harbaugh somehow. Wow. Well, they'll need a replacement for uh, Urban when he goes off to. Yeah, exactly. Insert college <laughs> program that has no morals or moral standing whatsoever. And decides to hire that. Philip, we know the real reason that you're picking TCU Kansas because you want me to go on Bosco's Boys again, right? That's the Big 12 game of the week. (laughs) It it brings such joy to my heart when I have to tell Scott. So, what's the game of the week this week? Kansas? I'll talk to Andy. (laughs) My my listeners won't enjoy that and be like, I don't care. It it's like look if he wants to go get Parker he can go at Parker to bring the TCU side if he would like I will allow him to do so but if he wants to keep it in network Andy Mintz is available we have such a good time and there's no feasible excuse to use me we'll get an Iowa State game of the week at some point basketball early. let's look at my game of the week list um we'll find one. No, you won't. I'll find one. 
I will. I will. I will pick a. Ra- where, what's I? Let's see. Even if you it's even if it's Iowa State, West Virginia, to stay out of the bottom of the conference. Oh, gross! That's so dirty and nasty. I love it. <laughs> That's what I grew up with. That's what I grew up embracing. Just, just the most that was nasty, my sicko stuff. Love it. All right. Jamie, JSJ, have fun in Cancun. Uh, we will text y'all. We'll hear from her again in a couple of weeks, unless she just decides to call in from a rainy, uh, all-inclusive <laughs> resort hotel on Sunday with nothing else to do, which she will not. I... Please, please don't. Say if you do, we will hang up on you. It 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 have to be a really good reason. Like, well, I was saying, if you do, that I, means okay. that Iowa State won by, like, five touchdowns, right? They give or me just a really one. good reason. Just period, period is one Farmageddon. I think at this point, for Iowa State fans, they would just like to no, have to true. you. Or if you know what, though? they're only signed me to an influencer deal, I'd call in for that, K-State's only favored by two in this game right now, so. Circa opened as a pick yeah, yeah, there's some weird things happening out there. I'm not going to pretend to understand. I'm going to be honest, though. I don't think Vegas knows what to do with any of the Big 12 games. That's valid. Mm-hmm. Yay. Uh, so you can probably follow Jay. Well, you can follow Jamie, uh, who is now a shoe influencer, uh, on Twitter at jsteyz, J-S-T-E-Y-Z. I just, I, and, while we were recording, I posted this week's Iowa State thread. Good to know how seriously you take this podcast. Uh, you can follow it. She is also the host of the Cyclone Family Podcast with her brother, Eric. Uh Will he be solo? Oh, we'll get to that later. Andy Mitz, you'll probably get to hear him on Bosco's Boys this week, as well as his show, The Rock Chalk Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Andy Mitz12. Check out every show in the 1012 network, all 11 of us. We've got Sons of UCF. We've got Bosco's Boys. We've got Feels Like 45 for Oklahoma State. We've got, uh, well, between two Bears posts this week. We'll find out. Uh, and that's not a shot at Matt and, and Evan. I, I'm sure they'll post. No, the, the real question is, will they talk about the game this week? <laughs> I'm sure they'll find some other topic to talk about for a good Highly, minutes. highly. Will they, will they mention that a game was played? Probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll get like an, a minute and a half of game analysis. We all, we all have our turn. This game sucked. Let's move on. I thought it was a very enjoyable game. 1012network.com. You can find every show. Follow and subscribe to everyone. Do check out Raspy Voice Kids. Uh, they're, I always say one of the best times to listen to a, a show is after a team's lost. And I don't mean that negative. It's just you you really get to, you know, you get to hear some fun and interesting and sometimes some just, some just downright dark stuff out of people. Well, let, me, uh, let me tell you, I've had some really dark episodes over on the Rock Chalk Pod. So. And he's got a full arsenal of uh, of dark episodes from Kansas football. We'll be back on Thursday to make picks with Chris and Daniel. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at 1012network, 1012pod on Instagram. I think that's everything. We'll talk to you then. Sports Social Podcast Network.